and welcome back to the ACSC podcast. Uh, this week again, you'll see we're joined by two others. Recurring guest Tom is back for probably, I don't know, I've kind of lost count how many times this kid's appeared on the freaking series. <laughs> <laughs> but he's back again. Uh, we're back with the usual co-host, Wazza. And we are on with Dylan Logan this week, who is a player for Bulldog Town FC. Um, we'll sort of just talk about his career, what he's in so far. But I'll let Wazza introduce himself and we'll take him from there. Good evening, guys. How are we? Um, as usual, we do have a live giveaway going, uh, ending the 4th of April. So if you want uh, some cash of £100, get on it. <laughs> of course. So, uh, Dylan, thanks for coming on. Uh, it's good to meet you. Uh, and as guest, usual with guests, we ask your ultimate six-a-side team. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, this is a tough one. I haven't really thought about this. Um, is this including goalkeepers? And yeah, so you have a goalkeeper, and okay. one of the positions has to be you. Okay. Uh, so in goal, I'm going to put Edwin Van der Sar. Nice. Uh, Man U fan. Uh, Scoring play a few times. Great keeper. Uh, and then formation wise, what am I going to go for? Um, I'm going to go. <laughs> um, I'll just name a couple of players. So, obviously, me up front, I'm going to play with uh, Thierry Omri. Uh, so, that's three players done already. So, another three. I'm going to play Kakar in behind me. Um, oh, centre-backs. I need a centre-back. A decent centre-back. Strong centre-back. Ball-playing centre-back. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Rio Ferdinand. Obviously, Manu again. Um, and who else have we got? I'm gonna go two. I'm not, I'll go one centre back and two centre mids. I'll go another centre mid. Um, I'm gonna chuck Ronaldinho in there just for a bit of flair, actually. So that's <laughs> Edwin Van der Sar, Rio Ferdinand, uh, Ronaldinho, Kaka, me, and Thierry Henry. <laughs> the side. Yeah. <laughs> You're just going to outscore every team. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not sure about defensively, but we'll go with that. <laughs> Not a worry. Uh, so, yeah, obviously, it's good to have you on, and I think I'll let you introduce yourself a little bit and sort of, let's take it back to the start. So, where did your journey to the world of football begin? Yeah, so football's always been a big part of my life. Um, so, my nan and granddad, um, my granddad's from Jamaica, so they came over into the RAF um, when he was 18. And he had a friend that was from Manchester, took him to a Man U game. Uh, he'd become hooked with it. And then um, him and my nan have had a, a season ticket at Old Trafford ever since. Uh, so growing up, there was programmes and pictures of Man U everywhere. And then just try to emulate my idols from there, really. Um, so pretty young, four years old, three years old, playing football in the garden. And then started to get into coaching. So in my local area, uh, somewhere in Letchworth, just a, a little local um, every Saturday coaching, something like that. And then the coach just said, oh, you're too good to be here. Going to have to find a club. Um, so I joined my local club, Letchworth Eagles. Um, and that's where it really began from there. And then, <laughs> yeah, so I was there for a bit. And then um, I got scouted by Ipswich when I was quite young, like under six, under sevens. I was there for a couple of uh, years and then I got released because I, I couldn't use my left foot. Yeah, I was devastating at that age, and I just went back to, just went back to playing for Letchworth. Um, 
Yeah, should I keep going? Yeah. Now, it seems like the same. So obviously, at that age, is obviously you must have been talented at that age to sort of be. Yeah. Over seven, but I think it's an interesting one that a lot of people have said that even at that age, and you look at some of the players I can think of, likes of I think Harry Kane's a noble one. Even at that age, clubs look for the special sort of notice of things like, oh, well, we can't use his left foot. Even at that age, yeah. when it's coachable, yeah, that they're looking at just getting rid of sort of talent already. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy to be fair. Like, at such a young age as well. And then that's your first taste of rejection in football. I remember sawing my eyes home. Um, yeah, I was just devastated, really. And then um started playing for Letrith just there for a few years. Um trying to think what happened from there. And then yeah, I think under year year six or something like that, it, I got scouted by NK Dons. Um I went there on trial. I think they offered me a contract at the time. So like year six, um, and I just said no because I just wanted to play with my friends and and we'll go into academy football, yeah. and why it's a bit stressful in a bit. But yeah, I just just didn't enjoy the pressure. I was playing well, but um, yeah, just just confidence. I, I went from being the best player in the area, and then you go into an academy, and everyone's good. Everyone's good. Was there like more of an initial reason you looked at rejecting like a club like? Obviously, I imagine NK was not a huge club, but academy football then. To be honest with you, then I, I didn't have a clue who they were. I think they were League One at the time. I, I didn't. I, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I didn't. I didn't know who they were. Uh, as bad as it sounds, I just played football. Just new Premier League clubs, really. Um, yeah. yeah, just just didn't want to be there. Um, well, I didn't. It's not that I didn't want to be there. I enjoyed it. Um, I think. I think when you're at that age, you just want to enjoy your football. And I felt when I was there, you're just being watched and observed, and you're just a bit under pressure. So I wasn't playing the football that I'm used to playing. Yeah, no, that was the main one. Yeah, that was the main one, really. So obviously, I guess obviously we can sort of that you did end up obviously joining MK Dons eventually, yeah. uh, getting into the academy setup side of things. So I sort of know it a little bit. I was there for a while myself, and then yeah. I've friends uh, who have played for MK Dons as well. So I sort of know what the setup's like there. And that's yeah, like. how did you find it when you first transitioned into that side of academy football? Um. It was stressful, but it's quite. This is quite a good story as well. So the person that released me from Ipswich was the same scout that got me into MK. Okay. Yeah. So it was. Yeah, it was very weird how life pans out. But yeah, yeah at first, so I was just invited for. I was doing well playing county football at the time. So I was like Bedfordshire's top goal scorer, doing really well. Um, so I had other clubs looking at me, like Aston Villa. Um, there's a few others. Uh, but Aston Villa were probably the most highest one you want to say um, but yeah I got invited to play they just said oh we've got a game on Saturday come and come and play MK did and my brother was there at the time anyway uh, I scored two two goals in this trial game and then I got invited on trial and then but yeah it's, it's just a massive transition I think when I joined it was under 16 so the next year there are seven players out to get scholarships or not get scholarships and that's that's difficult so it was difficult to join at that age um and especially not being academy academy trained or coached up until that age because i was just a raw talent do you know what i mean so yeah i found i found it tough i won't lie to you it was very difficult and i think you sort of mentioned the key thing there is obviously my understanding is a lot of these players will enter a club at the ages of six, seven, like yourself, when you started, obviously it switched. Don't yeah. head into that sort of program all their life, and they know it. Yeah. Um, so obviously, sort of what you're saying there is, did you sort of have 
did you enjoy your time? And obviously NK Doms, and obviously where you mentioned Aston Villa, was there ever probably like an offer on the table? Um, um, see, see Aston Villa, who's so I got scouted by them whilst I was playing at whilst I was playing at um, at Bedfordshire, um, and it was probably things probably picked up when I scored a hat trick against Suffolk, and then after the game, they basically said I was going to go on trial, but then NK came in the next day, and my brother was already there. So I just went there and then things escalated from there. So nothing ever happened with Aston Villa. It was just talk. And when I look back now, it's crazy. Like if I went there, like what would have happened in it? But that's retrospect, man. I can't think like that. No, not at all. Not at all. It's just interesting to sort of see if there was a reason, if they say they did have enough, but why you would have chose, obviously, compared yeah. to Aston Villa and Kadon's. No, it's just, yeah, just the fact my mum was driving up there uh, every day of the week anyway for my brother. Yeah. Uh, it just made sense for me to go because my brother was playing two years up at the time anyway so he was playing for my age right. so yeah it just made sense just made sense to go there you mentioned that you obviously joined mk at, was it under 16 did you say yeah when you say obviously i understand the difference obviously between sort of normal coaching and academy coaching but where did you where did you fear that you were going to sort of maybe not be at the same pace as the other group fitness levels or no see it's not even fit like at that age I think everyone's fit like when you're 16 you're, you, you can just run for days and days I think it's more game awareness and game understanding that I probably lacked so like when when to press players when <laughs> when when to make certain runs um yeah I was just very nervous on the ball and I remember I remember the coach I think he's a coach at Arsenal now at the time and he's coached for England um and we were just sitting down in front of everyone, even like the scholars at the time. So Deli Ali was there. Um, and he just said to me in front of everyone that he goes, oh, have you just had a growth spurt or something? Because your legs are a bit shaky. And I just remember that sticking with me. And I was like, oh, right. Well, you don't want like, to put someone down in front of everyone. Mm. You know, it's not, it's not very nice. But yeah, it was, it's just different level of coaching. People have better game understanding. I've just come from playing Saturday with my friends and county football where I've just played in the 10 row and I could do what I want. And now it's it's a lot different. You have to you have to do certain things. They like you to do certain movements. I kept getting past the player and then they said, I want to see you go on the outside of him next time rather than going inside. And I was like, oh, okay, but I'm beating him every time. So yes, yeah, it's, it's it's very different, very different. Is there a, a lot of one-to-one coaching? Uh, academy level or was it mainly the whole group just mainly as as one group there was certain players that would get put aside uh, to do certain things with the coaches and stuff like that um but I was never one of them I was never one of them and it's only until yeah it's only until I'm this age now that I have like one-to-one coaching twice a week so yeah I'd, I'd definitely say to, to younger players go go and do that get involved one-to-one coaching it helps you massively if you're not having access to it already like you said, there also being involved around that setup and sort of what sort of things is it, it, it's one of them that that mentality is is a ruthless sort of way of doing it. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think so. I can sort of relate to you because I I struggled a lot when I was growing up playing football. Is I knew I could sort of play well, but the game reading was an area I lacked. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, being a forward, it's it's one of them. We're getting your runs is. Certain ones want you to go, obviously, like you said, on the outside of players, they want you to go through the middle. It's picking yeah. up all that is the hardest part of that level. And like you're saying, when you're yeah. in Sunday League, you can sort of do what you want and you can be the best yeah. player in the world and you're, you feel invincible. But when yeah, you put in that setup 
around players who are equally as good or if not better than you, if you don't meet the standard quickly, it's very hard to sort of go down that path. Um, yeah. Like you're saying, obviously, did, did that sort of thing come into it? Like, is that where you sort of lost a lot of confidence as a player, would you have said? I think it probably was, to be honest. That was, that was one of the biggest parts. Um, and then whilst I was there, I got a lot of injuries, so I lost trust in my body as well. And then and then I'm doing movements that I'm not used to because you're trying to compensate for pain that you're feeling. You see what I mean? But yeah, I remember the coach at that time saying, oh, stop making runs just for the sake of making runs. And it kind of stuck with me for a bit. So I was just draining myself, do you know what I mean? Showing for the ball all the time or running in behind when it probably wasn't on. But it's only, I've got away with it up until now where I have to really, if because I want to push on, I want to play as high as I can. So it's something I'm still working on now um, with my one-to-one coach, so movement. And, and we do it every week because I have to get it stuck in my head. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned the injuries there. What uh, sort of injuries was you suffering? Was it sort of long-term injuries or was it just a lot of niggles? Uh, so so at first I, I, tore, I tore my hip flex and I did rehab came back and then um and then because my confidence was so low at the time my my Saturday manager he just said oh we've got a game tomorrow do you want to play and I was just like yeah I'll play like I just wanted to get my confidence back up um so I was playing I was playing well I was just running the show nutmegging you know you name it but it was it was nil nil I was just playing for fun I didn't really care like I was just enjoying myself and then um I can't remember if I twisted, but I twisted and I felt a pop in my ankle. I'm like, for fuck's sake. Um, yeah, sorry, I swear. I like, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, for God's sake, I came and I came off. I just tried to ice it. And that was on, I think that was on Sunday or Saturday. And then we had training for MK on Monday, like game prep um, for a game on Tuesday against Brighton. Uh, so the prep, the prep is just walking about doing shapes, like, like formation play, stuff like that. Got through that okay. Obviously, my ankle's very sore. And then on Tuesday, playing the game, just running with the ball, and then someone stamped on the ankle. And, yeah, I was in a lot of pain. Um, I was, like, holding my sleeve, like, in pain, and the manager just pulled me off. He goes, what's wrong with you? And I said, oh, I've hurt my ankle. I didn't tell him where I hurt it. I just said, I've just got, just got a bad tackle just then. I got sent for a scan. And then um, it was like an avulsion fracture. So it's where your tendon rips and a bone piece of the bone rips off as well. Um, so, yeah, that was, yeah, couldn't have surgery. Not, surgery wouldn't help. It's literally just in a, a cast, demobilize, and then rehab. Yeah. So that was, that was the last injury I had. I did all the rehab there. And then they basically just said, no, like I wasn't on the, um, the schedule for physio the following week. And they, I think they just texted my mom. Yeah, that was it. That's the ruthless side of it. Yeah. I feel like you're saying this, so obviously you couldn't say where, because obviously one of my mates in here that was always, it's pretty much forbidden to play any football outside or yeah. that is. Was Did you ever sort of think of that repercussion side of it or was it just that determination of wanting to play football? I just wanted to play football. I wanted to get that, that confidence back. I, I never even thought about that because I, I feel like, because I wasn't there for a long period of time, I felt I didn't. I never really felt part of the squad, if that made sense. And then that Saturday team, that Sunday team, I was like the player. So, yeah, it just made sense to me to play, get that confidence back up. But yeah, I never, I never thought about that really. The repercussions. So obviously, after that, you said obviously 
you got obviously released from that side of things. What was your sort of next venture? Yeah. Did you go straight in back into a club or? Um, so yeah, my ankle still wasn't right. Um, and I got invited to train with um, Rushton and Diamonds. I think they were conference at the time. Um, and that was ages away. And I wasn't driving or anything. Um, but yeah, I didn't really enjoy it. And then I ended up playing for, for a team in like my area, Stevenage, uh, called Broadhall. And everyone knows them. So they had the best players in Hertfordshire. And most of them had just been released from, from academy clubs. So yeah, I, I loved it there. Um, and then we became like Biggleswade Town. We were like their EGA team um, playing there. And then the manager, Rob Bates, who was like a father figure to me, just let me play how I played. He was a striker as well. So did some real good coaching with me, shaped me into a good player. And then we all joined Stockfold. So the team changed from Biggleswade to Stockfold just so we could get first team football. So we're all like 17, 18 playing first team football and we were loving it. Um, I scored on my semi-professional debut uh, against Wembley and they've got a nice pitch, um, just blasted it top corner and then started playing under 18 football for Hertfordshire and then training with them. And then that's when I had my major, major uh, injury on my ankle and I was out for three years. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Three years. Wow. So from the yeah, so from the age 18, 19, 20. Jesus, what did you do? Um, so I ruptured a tendon and ligament in my ankle. Jesus. Just from just from just from, I think I was trying to turn. Do you know? Have you seen have you seen it was viral at the time? Do you know when Ravel Morrison gets the ball played into him from across? Yeah, yeah. And he, yeah. Flicks, and he flicks it top corner. I tried to do that, but the <laughs> ball, yeah. I don't think I. I think I said something different in in Tom's thing, um, but that's that's what I did because I didn't want to sound like an idiot to be honest with you. But I, yeah, so the ball. <laughs> so the ball. Seems to mate, it's fine. <laughs> so yeah, the balls the balls come over to me and it was it was such a short cross like it wasn't high enough. And then as I've gone down to jump, the ball landed underneath my foot on my left foot, and I've just put all my weight and it's just gone loud pop massive pop and it just swelled up like a balloon and I trained for the rest of the session as well yeah Jesus. so so the, the three years that you you missed out on on what, what what were you doing to fill the time what was I doing I was well I was very depressed I won't lie to you yeah so I lost my identity so I was in I was in sixth form at the time obviously I didn't want to be there I want to be be a scholar playing football um I got kicked out of sixth form uh so yeah this is this is where the story gets crazy I got kicked out of sixth form I started working at McDonald's. Yeah, I was working at McDonald's. Um, and then, like, so the first year I was waiting to have my surgery because I was arguing with the county because I said I was under their care. They should help me get the treatment so I can get back playing. And they basically refused. Um, and then I eventually had my surgery. Uh, so I saw, like, a good ankle surgeon who deals with footballers, Dr. DR. But whilst I, whilst I was waiting, yeah, I was doing my BTEC at, and history and sociology at, at sixth form. Hated it. Got kicked out because I wasn't going in. And I didn't want to be there. I was working at McDonald's. Um, and then obviously you're trying to get back fit playing football. So I had my operations. Um, had my first one. Six months of rehab. And then it still didn't feel right. So they repaired the ligament. Still didn't feel right. 
So I said, can you go back in and have a look? Uh, there's something not right with it. I've done all my rehab. My ankle doesn't feel like mine. That's, that's how much I felt. And then when you're in that mindset, like, you know, you know your own body better than anyone else. <laughs> so I just, I knew I needed another operation. Um, so I had my other operation. And then uh, they saw that, that the tendon was torn on the other side. So all the scans and diagnostics I had, it wouldn't show it. So they repaired that. And then that's another six months of, of rehab. But yeah, so, so whilst I was trying to get fit, uh, I saw everyone. I saw everyone. So I saw osteopaths, chiropractors, massage therapists, physios. I even, I even contemplated something called rolfing, which is where they move the tissue. I was doing a lot of research at the time. Uh, I researched Van Persie had an injury and they used, um, they used like human placenta. So like from baby births. So they used to massage, they massaged his ankle in that. And he said that helped him. So I looked into that. I was, I was just desperate. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. When I think... Yeah, it's crazy though to think about it. Looking back now, yeah. It sounds to good. give you to give you to give you context, boys, for those obviously, you know, everyone in the area knows Dylan and his brother as football. That's like, you know, obviously two top lads, but you know, when when someone says to you, Do you know Dylan Logan in the in the Hertfordshire area? Nine times out of ten, they know he's the guy that plays football. So yeah. going through what he's gone through in that in that recovery is um has been pretty crazy. And it, you know, you can just tell from the desire that you've got to play. Just go from going, you know, yeah. from looking at absolutely everything. Because I guarantee no one with an injury would look into that much detail. No, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. What you're saying at our level, like also is at our level, but like at the semi-pro, you wouldn't like that's sort of what you're saying, not that ego is very similar. I don't know if you saw the Santi Cazorla injury he had a few years yeah. ago. Yeah. Literally now got a bit of his, I think it's his arm where he had a tattoo on the back of his fucking ankle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the amount of injuries. And when you sort of got that desire to play football, you would do anything to get yeah. back. And I think it's, desper it's desperation. It is. And I think even like for me, I was, I, I'm not at the level I want to play anymore. That's why I don't really play. Is obviously, I had two massive knee injuries. I've done yeah. my knee twice. I've done my left knee once. <laughs> so I'm oh. just pulling apart as a player. I can't really do it. <laughs> um, it's tough, man. It's tough. And that, then sort of injuries. Did you ever sort of worry that you could never come back to the level you was at before? Yeah, I did. Because um, obviously it's my identity. It's all I've wanted to do. Um, but yeah, there was days I used to, I used to just sit in my room and cry, to be honest with you. And I thought about <laughs> ending my world, if you want to say, a few times. Um, and I remember, I remember one day I was just standing on a bridge, like on the edge, like near where I lived. And then someone I knew drove past, and he was just like, "Oh, Dylan, man, what are you doing?" <laughs> and he just, yeah, that was it. That that was the last time I felt like that, really. Um, but yeah, there was there was loads of times I felt low, because because it's all I've ever wanted to do. I didn't really have a plan other than that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's no. It's I think this yeah. is something that I think even at sort of the youth level football doesn't get enough I would say support with is no the demands to play the academy level that like we've discussed is ridiculously high and the amount of pressure they're putting on kids through there needs to be enough support and I think especially when I was sort of around yeah. stuff, I know I didn't really have anyone at that level where you can discuss this and talk to and I, don't, I think it is getting better um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is over time with the FA and they are doing well but with that level when you were playing do you think that was something that could have helped with those sorts of yeah, massively yeah yeah if there was someone to speak to and 
yeah. yeah. I think I think I did speak to someone at the PFA to be fair. I forgot what his name is, but he was quite helpful at the time. And he was saying exactly what we're saying now. However many years ago it was that players need more support when they're being released from the academy system. Yeah. The thing is as well, it's it's one of those things you the FA have got to implement on these kind of situations. Cause especially you look at like normal life as such, as someone being a mechanic or being a cleaner or that, they can go and get another job like that. But when you're getting released from a football club, it's like a that kind of that special job that's hard to get back into yeah it, the support is well what i've heard of obviously ex-players and that it seems to be absolutely rubbish to be honest yeah yeah no, it's, it's not the best but i mean so I, I was only there for a season and obviously i was in and out of different clubs trialing and things like that but me and my brother was at, at mk at the club since he was 10 and then he was a first year pro and then got released it's players like that that have been with them their whole life that really like I was there for a year and I felt like my world had ended. Do you know what I mean? Like players that have been there the whole career, their whole lives, and then get it torn away. Yeah, that's that's tough to take. And you've seen a lot of it in the news recently, players being released and then them them committing suicide because it's all they have, it's all they've known. I think there was a couple of Man City player. Yeah. I forgot what his name is. Yeah. Yeah. There was a program, the um, I'm pretty sure it was BBC probably a few years ago um, of players being released and then they were going through the journey of how they're trying to get back into football clubs. Yeah. Or one of them found a club and then literally was released a year later again. Yeah, it's it's, it's a dog-eat-dog dog world in football. It is, it is but it's, it's down to how much you love it. And setbacks, they're going to be inevitable because uh, everyone has different opinions. And that's what football is. It's a game of opinions. hundred percent. I think I sort of on your live, do you ever know, Tom, I sort of mentioned it there. It's, like I said, it's dog beat dog. And it's you've got to take your chance when you sort of get it. And that level is a yeah. couple look for one position at one time. They're not yeah. looking to take one for each position. No. It's sort of down to your demands. And you can play an absolute blind the way you score six. If they're not looking for a striker, yeah. your luck's out yeah. that side of it. Yeah. Um, so just to sort of wrap up like the academy side of things would you sort of advice being being through it would you sort of recommend the academy system to young players coming up now I do to a certain extent like but I think now you can get that one-to-one coaching and those things that really develop yourself elsewhere so it's not really a, a necessity it's just I think academy system your foot's in the door and then you have that on your CV forever your football CV if you like but I think the main one for me when you get to 16 or 17 to be playing men's football at a decent level, really learning the game and playing the game in games that matter, I, th- I think that's that's a lot more beneficial. That's that's how I feel anyway. So I think it's good to a certain extent, but men's football, yeah, there's there's nothing better than it. It's one of them, I think, I was discussing it with Tom as well before, and I think there's a lot more, I'd say social media has played a massive role in this, and the fact that you can look at some of these, what you say, is they're called these YouTube teams, effective of now, and that is, even if you can sort of, even yeah. at that level, is you're getting your name out there to millions of people who are going to exactly. see this. Um, and I think that is an avenue, and I was sort of saying to Tom as well, is, around like the Nike Academy. I don't know if you remember seeing that years ago when that was around. I, yeah, I applied, I applied to go on it. Um, so I saw, I saw around that 
face set up when there was based obviously at St George's Park for a while. I've done some stuff yeah. launching the kit and I saw them all there. And I think that's a very interesting aspect that could be done again to a different yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because to me, they get... I think they stopped doing it, didn't they? Yeah. They stopped the Nike one. And I, I don't know why, because they were playing at a really good level as well, getting playing against the teams like Barca, Real Madrid. They were playing the top yeah, level. Yeah. Um, and I think like Tom brought up a good aspect earlier, saying like potentially having the academies going into League One, League Two, etc., because then you're playing proper men's football. Yeah. It's the, the yeah. amount of the amount of store, like the amount of people I know that have played mm. um have played in the academies and then tried to get a move once they've been released. Like one of my mates was at a Premier League team. He's been in a Premier League match day squad. Um and he's you know League two teams are looking at him and just he's not even getting a he's not even getting a second like you know that call back. Like I've seen him play, um, God, I don't know where we travelled to. I think it's like a, it was at a Malden and Tiptree. I don't even know where it is. Uh, yeah, they're linked with, Essex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're linked with Colchester Twenty Threes. Had a really good game. Nothing. Just not even, a, not even a call to say no. That that was it. it, it it's you know, players like me have never experienced stuff like that. I'll just sit. For managing because if you can't play, you manage, as they say. So, but uh, I can imagine it's 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 not easy, you know, being in that situation. But at the same time, it must be quite an experience to obviously have gone through that yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's a journey, man. It's a journey. <laughs> but uh, following that journey on, obviously after the academy, you're now at is I believe Bulldog Town. Yeah, yeah, at Bulldog. So Rob Bates is my manager, who was my manager when I was younger. Um, but yeah, it's been a journey to get to this stage, to be honest. So I was out for three years. Yeah. Um, and then in the meantime, I've, I've kind of built a team around me to help me push on yeah. and get me back playing to, to the level I know I can when I'm injury-free and confidence high. Uh, so I have uh, someone called Steve Linger, who's kind of a, he's a strength and conditioning coach by trade, uh, but he's so much more than that. He's, he's my mentor in life. Uh, gives me does my nutrition, my mindset, things like that. Uh, so he works with someone around here called Nick Freeman, um, who plays for Wickham, but he's on loan at Leighton Orient. Uh, so he took him from non-league to obviously a championship player, and he's done it with a lot of players. So if you look at his record of players he's worked with, he's made them into proper athletes. And he works with a lot of people that were semi-pros, but now full-time footballers. Um, so I see him, I see him every Monday at 5am, uh, which is crazy. Yeah. So I drive up to Sydney it's to see him. Uh, and then I have my one-to-one coaching uh, with someone called Callum, uh, who's at the technique coach on Instagram. And he's just brilliant at what he does. So he used to be head of recruitment at MK. I think it was head of recruitment. But yeah, he's, he's just brilliant at what he does. Brilliant at what he does. And then I've got my massage therapist, uh, Dev Basu. Uh, so whenever I need a top up, I see him. Um, so yeah, I was out for three years. When I finally got the clear to play again, um, I got signed by a team uh, in Newmarket called Mildenhall. And they were playing in the Bostic League at the time, so it's a good league, good standards. So it's like the Ismail Premier or something at the time. Yeah, so Bostic League. Um, so yeah, training there, training really well. The first session. Um, they said, yeah, we want to sign you. And I was like, oh, great. I was, I, my confidence was back. I was nutmegging players, running at players. Um, 
but I couldn't play a five-yard pass. I think I told Tom that. Yeah, I was doing everything well other than the simple things. So I could do all the complex stuff, but not the simple stuff. Um, I remember I was just playing well. And they offered me, um, yeah, they offered me a contract. So I signed for him. And then the other players were saying, how much are you on a week? Um, I've heard you're on £250 a game. I was I'm not on that. Um, I didn't even speak about money to them. I just wanted to play football. Uh, so I was just getting petrol money when I was there. Yeah, just wanted to play. Um, uh, I wasn't meant to be built up to play. <clears throat> so the first game, played against Haringey. That was the first time I was in the squad. I played like five minutes and we lost 5-1. But I was, just, I was just happy to be playing, to be honest with you. I was buzzing. And then, um, and then the next game, we had a game against Romford and a player got injured in the warm-up. And then they said, oh, Dylan, you're starting. I was like, oh, wow, okay. Um, started the game, was doing okay, 20 minutes in, um, chasing the ball down, and I felt a pop in my hamstring. Yeah, and then that was me done for the season. And that was that. I'm not sure what time of year that was, maybe this time. But yeah, just, just popped my hamstring. So I was out for the rest of the year. And that was the second game in. Yeah. That just wasn't on your side. No. Nah. <laughs> so, so I think the thing, so uh, obviously the setup you sort of have now is what you can say is like a professional setup. You have all this yeah. around you. Like, you yeah. is this sort of down to everything you've sort of gone through? Is you putting these sort of measures in place to give you the best platform to take your game to the next level now? Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. So when I'm older, I don't want to look back and say, oh, I could have gave it more. I yeah. just want to say I gave it all I could everything every day so I wake up at five during the week I do my ball mastery uh, so certain techniques just to get the neurological patterns in my head um, so I like neuroscience it's just about make, making those pathways when I'm in tight situations in a football game that I have these patterns in my head so I know what to do um, obviously my nutrition is a massive one so my coach always tells me eat for function not for taste uh, so that's a big one so I'm <laughs> drinking my turmeric shots and and my sugar-free um, protein shakes, <laughs> nobody's business, loving it. But yeah, it's exactly that. So I feel like a professional footballer, but obviously I'm working full-time and I'm playing semi-professional football. It's, it's, it's an interesting take because getting your head around it, like you are doing everything that a professional footballer in that sense would do. If you're getting that level yeah. of support, it's, I've never sort of heard anyone at that level sort of go to that much dedication. I think that's fair dues to you because... Oh, I appreciate that. I wish even if I sort of had that mentality, you don't know what it could have been. But obviously taking that step now where you are taking this, obviously I know football at the moment has been a crap sort of two years. Obviously nothing seems to come on. Obviously you've probably got back into some sort of ability and now you sort of had two years cut out of it. Yeah. <laughs> what would you sort of want to say is if you look in five years time, where would you want to be as a player? I want to be playing league football ultimately, but that's that's the main aim but if I'm playing conference prem or something like that and an established player not just someone that's sitting on the bench and an established player doing well uh, that has a good story that motivates people to just chase their dreams and not give up that's that's where I'd be but ideally I want to be a league footballer but I know I know when you're playing semi-professional football for Bulldog and you're saying that <laughs> some people may think that's a bit far-fetched but I know my ability I know people believe in me it's just about getting that consistency and staying injury free 
thing is, I, I don't think it's a re- unrealistic expectation now. I think you look at, I think the prime example everyone will go to is Jamie Vardy, obviously. Yeah. Got nothing to arguably one of England's great sort of players now is if you look at his record in the Premier League, it's untouchable. Yeah. Um, he could still easily do a job now. I know he's retired from England National, but I would have him playing for England every day of the week still now. 100%. Um, and I, I can't remember his name. He went to Arsenal not too long ago. Uh, he comes oh. from. Oh, what's his name? Um, oh, Cohen Bramall. Yeah, uh, Bramall. Yeah. He, he sort of come from that level. It's it's not an unrealistic aim. I think the game is changing, uh, and it always is. And I think clubs are getting more. They're not like reliant on the academy level anymore. They look at an actual player's ability and see how it can be developed more given yeah. the facilities. And I think any sort of club looking at yourself is they can see that dedication. Uh, yeah. That's something that's got to go on merit. I think, well, Dale was mentioned the other day in the in the live that Dad chats with his manager and stuff and he just needs a consistent season. Obviously, if you have a consistent season, good minutes, because I think I think you get good minutes at the minute anyway. Obviously, obviously yeah, building yourself yeah. back into the team, that'll do you the world of good. Yeah. Because you're into that sort of groove. Because obviously, you know, you've been playing and then had an injury and then it's been like a bit stop-starty for you. So, yeah. so you obviously, aims for this season, you know, what, what, what are we saying when it resumes? When it comes back, I want, I want to get at least 30 goals. I don't want clubs to start really noticing me just to have that consistency week in, week out. That's that's the main one, really. But yeah, like you were saying that, yeah, you have to have like hard and difficult conversations with your coaches and people around you if you want to improve and you want to do well. And that's something I've been doing. So obviously people have been saying uh, you have to improve your game, understanding uh, when to do things in the right areas because I've been doing nutmegs in my own half for, for about 10 years now. And I still haven't grown out of it. <laughs> so it's things like that I have to stop doing uh, if I want to push on and do well. It's a hard one, mate, because I think I think I was sort of bringing up this, I don't know, you obviously you probably know in the F2 on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. It's, I don't know, a very similar sort of thing is that the game awareness, I think Jez has been very open. He's saying that he was a very good player, probably one of the most skillful players I've ever seen. But he just didn't have that game awareness. Yeah. He actually said he was the most technically gifted player at Arsenal, including the oh, first no, I, I didn't want to say it. I know <laughs> true, because you're talking at a time when you had the likes of Thierry Henry here. Bergkamp, <laughs> Vieira. Oh, well, that's what he said. Yeah, he genuinely... Yeah, yeah, no, he, in an interview, he said, um, on the ball, he was the best player at the club, including the first team. Off the ball, <laughs> off the ball, he was shocking. Yeah. Okay. But... Um, I didn't want to say that because I knew how untrue that probably is. <laughs> I liked it then there. But it's one of the... I don't know because obviously what you're saying, I, I can see it and just obviously it's the first time I've really got to speak to you is you have that determination and drive that yeah. you see in the likes of players who sort of, you look at the big names who do it, it was a Ronaldo who's dedicated his life to football. Yeah, He eats, lives and breathes football and he's got to the very top. And you sort of look at some players, I think you mentioned in earlier, was Raphael Morrison, was the one that I think Fergie's been so open and said that he was probably one of the best players he's ever seen but didn't have that sort of drive and determination to see it through. Yeah. Um, Mine, mine's just, just sorry, just from the two that you've mentioned there, I think the whole mindset of the both of them was different. You know, I think, you know, obviously I can't speak for Ravel Morrison's if I know him, but I know that he had a lot of external issues hmm. within football. Um, and I think the difference between the two, obviously other than ability, is the fact that Ronaldo made more sacrifices to his own lifestyle his own mindset whereas I would arguably say that Ravel Morrison didn't do it to that level 
hence maybe not f- fulfilling his potential. I, I yeah. don't know. Have you seen clips of him play? Did you see Zaha's statement on him the other yeah. day? He's a joke. He's an absolute joke. I don't but know. It was, how, it, was, how it, was <laughs> it was coming from Zaha. Zaha was like, he was trying to play like Ronaldo. Like, I love Zaha as well. He was like, uh, Ravel Morrison was trying to play like Ronaldinho against Lithuania or something like that. And it was embarrassing. And I watched the clips of him and Ravel Morrison was on fire. He, yeah, he was playing sensational. Some of his clips, even like lately, it's just some of the clips have been training. He is yeah. unreal. I just like you sort of said there is a lot of external things does come into it as well, but you sort of just I don't know if it's that sort of things is to lift that potential, and I think it also comes down to pressure. I think yeah. we've got the likes of Sir Alex Ferguson coming out saying you're one of the best players he's ever seen at that age, and I think you can sort of link it into Phil Foden's got that sort of pressure on him. Obviously yeah, yeah, him. he's coping well with it though. Phil Foden, he's a player and a half. Yeah, he's a player and a half. So I think. What we do also like to do in the episode, we sort of link it in a bit. And I think I've heard you mention you're a United fan. Yeah, I am. <laughs> there <laughs> so, we go. <laughs> what's, on this what's that? Thoughts on this season for United? Uh, started a bit, yeah. <laughs> but I, I've always loved Oli. I've always loved Oli. Um, obviously, Bruno Fernandes came in, uh, not this year, last year. And he's been a real catalyst. Like, there's there's no player like him. I think every every fan can admire him. Um, but yeah, we, we had a patch where we're doing so well and then just in United fashion, when things were going so well, we've just slipped up a bit. Um, but just about, it's, it's what I come back on to, consistency. Um, I love Greenwood as well. And he hasn't really been starting a lot of games. Um, Cavani, I can't believe that we have him. He's a fantastic striker. Um, but I think the season's going okay. It's going okay. It's just my Man United, I feel... I feel like we should be top and winning everything, Champions Leagues, uh, Premier Leagues, you name it. But it's it's a different Manchester United now. It's a very different Manchester United. I was going to say, obviously, I'm a Liverpool fan. It's, it's going to happen maybe in the next few years of Steven Gerrard going to Liverpool. As a Man United fan, do you think, obviously, you like you said, you, you love Oli being there, but is he the right manager to take you to the top of winning Premier Leagues and Champions Leagues. That's that's a hard question to say. Um, I think when a when a when a player like a club legend is in charge of your club, people love him already. But he's not an established Champions League or Premier League winner as a manager. Um, so I, I would at the time I wanted Pochettino. I really did. I'm quite surprised that never happened. I'm very surprised as well. I'm very surprised. Now he's at PSG. Um, it's it's interesting, isn't it? All right. Obviously, if Steven Gerrard comes to Liverpool, would you be happy? Would you? That we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, and like I said, I would love him there, but not now. I know he's yeah. doing, doing brilliant. He's obviously won the league with Rangers, but we've always said of ex-players coming back to their their boyhood uh, club, and then if they exactly what happened to Frank Lampard. Yeah, yeah. I don't want him to do that. And then I'm kind of glad how the way that Gerard went of going to a smaller league as such, trying to prove himself and then work up from there. But I, I think even now, Gerard would have that sense if Klopp was to go next week or that and they offered Gerard, I don't think he'd take it. No. He said it himself. He had an interview the other day as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
He said, oh, let me make this clear. I love Jurgen Klopp. Everyone at Liverpool loves Jurgen Klopp. No one wants me there yet. I'm not going to say no to it in the future. But I think even Steven Gerrard's got his head clean on about that one. Yeah, I think you have to. I think you have to. I think even, it's like, you've got Arteta. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> broke after the weekend, I think. Everyone would <laughs> say stick of dropping a Bamiyan, but I don't know. It's what did he do? Do you know what he did? He was late. He's been late for he's been late to games and late to training. Yeah, and so... I think I was I was speaking to my my mate at work about this, and I was sort of saying is I have full respect for him for doing it because he's put himself in that position as the manager. Say, I'm the man here. I think for too long we've had people who sort of let players rule our club. If you look at the likes of before with the Sanchez situation, Ozil, the players have always had the power. And it's about time we started as a team sort of take that back and say, yeah, you may be the captain, but you're not above me. Mm. Uh, it could have gone disastrously wrong, I admitted if we lost that game, it would have been a different story in the press. Um, I've got a question for you Arsenal fans. Would you have rather had Zaha than Pepe? Yes. Yeah. I think Only because I've not watched Pepe before we signed him. Okay. So I've had I've had more exposure to Zaha and I don't I don't like fans that, you know, gas a player up that they've not necessarily seen and all they're they're just going off hype. If it was down to yeah. me, you know, it would have been a different like... answer yeah. had I watched Pepe play for Lille. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because you know I feel like Arsenal do though, they love they love to just find random players. Yeah, they, I mean, they it's, just it's like worked. being. They just it, like it being. It's worked in terms of, <laughs> like, Koscielny, They they signed from a league a league two team in France, yeah. and he turned out to be a good signing. You know, obviously signed Henri for ten million, and he was you know one of the best players to ever wear the shirt. But also, it's it's not gone well. So, mm. I think you know, for us, we need we're going for it. It's a transitional period and I don't want to use that as an excuse to the performances that were given out, but there's going to, there's going to be a whole different look the next, like, next three years. There's players in that team that just are really not, not good that we need to get rid of. I still think Pepe has a chance of us. Um, sort of where you say, has it, I did see some of his footage before um, and I think I've said it before to Warren as well, is I think the big part of Pepe is his confidence. He's a player that he likes to run at people. And I think for the first year, last year, we saw he didn't have that confidence. He would go up to a player where you'd normally see him throwing about 20 step-overs, which he's now doing. Like he would go past the player and cut in. But the first year, you'll see him get close to a player and he'll look straight back to play it back. He's one of them players, I think, over time, I think he'll become good, but he's not worth the 72 million we paid for him. <laughs> he, uh, I watched him at Lille when he obviously was there and he had that breakout season and he was deep, to be honest he had that kind of free reign of going anywhere he wanted obviously he never brought it to Arsenal and all I can say is thank God because Liverpool <laughs> and then Arsenal come in for that late bid well I think Napoli was the close I think Napoli even had a bid accepted for like 66 million and we outbid him and it was sort of <sighs> Zaha's an interesting one I think Zaha is still linked with us and I think he probably will end up at us at one point um He's got massive attitude problems, though. And, <laughs> but the thing is, everyone said this as well with Aubameyang, is that he's got all these attitude problems. And I think we might start to eventually see it now with this whole lateness coming in. But I can't see an issue of us signing Aubameyang when we didn't. He's become one of our biggest ever players. So 
a player will have issues at a club if they're not happy. Yeah, I agree with yeah. that. If they're happy at a club and they sort of think Zaha's been very open that he wants to join us, I think he's even been his site, he's looking for all his Twitter and stuff. It's just, it's an interesting one. Um, one thing I did want to ask you, did I think you mentioned it on the live the other day, is that you don't just watch football, you study it, which is yeah. the thing I saw is. So when you were sort of growing up and you still do, what's, who's the type of player you idolise and sort of study the most at the moment? Uh, probably Ronaldo. Yeah, but I've, to be honest with you, when I was younger, I just used to watch the tricks and the skills. Yoja Benito on YouTube and things like that. But I think it's, it's only in the last, like since I've had that serious injury, I've properly started to study the game. Uh, so Ronaldo, uh, Brazilian Ronaldo, Thierry Henry, his movement when he's receiving the ball, the way he peels off and shapes his body to, to curl it bottom corner, you know where he's going to go. And he still goes there every time, consistency. Um, so it's those players really. Because um, different managers, I've been at different clubs and they've put me in different positions. Um, so I was at St. Neitz for a bit, so Southern Prem. And they uh, they played me centre mid. And anyone that knows me knows I'm not a centre mid at all. So, yeah, I didn't get on there. <laughs> Tom shaking his head. <laughs> no, yeah, no, it's, it's just the one pair... That, well, I'm sure you could do a job there, mate, but that's nah. not where I'd associate you. No. Nah. You never they, see a centre mid throwing that many step-overs around. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it's just just players like that now, really. So Brazilian Ronaldo, Thierry Henry. Um, oh, what's happening here? Sorry about that. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just thought it was an interesting when you said that because it is. I think I'll say for a lot of vices of younger players coming, I would say to do that sort of thing as well is don't yeah. like they watch a game, study certain players, and I think I remember going to. I think it was last year, the England under 21 game, uh, when I was at the Dons first, I can't remember who they were playing. And I think that game, I literally spent the whole game just watching Phil Foden and the way he plays. Yeah. And even at that level, then you could see the class above he was compared to anyone else on that pitch. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's just them little things I think you are sort of appreciating more as you get older. Yeah. Players like that. Um, and it's an interesting one that you sort of said that. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, yeah, it's it's, a, it's only really come about from people saying I have to get my game understanding a, a bit better and things like that. But it's it's it'll be pointless me watching a player who who's not similar to me, so like watching a Peter Crouch or something. So when I when I try and watch a player, uh, I want him to. I even Google their height sometimes because I'm going to be watching people in the same height as me, the same weight as me, um, body shape, uh, similar speed, and things like that. It's pointless if I watch, say, um, I don't know. Yeah, like obviously a Peter Crouch or a smaller striker because I'm I'm not small. I'm 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 a quick play in my feet sort of player. Uh, getting getting behind sometimes, yeah, but I'm not an aerial threat or things like that. So, so I started watching Dominic Calvert Lewin a bit, um, but he's a totally different player to who I am. So I've kind of drifted away from that because I'm I'm not great in the air, but I'm trying to be. But he's good at the air and he's good. He's a box player. He's a good box player. I'm not really a good box player if that makes sense. So yeah, watch watch players that are similar to who you are. Don't watch people that aren't aren't similar to who you are and that will help you yeah. a lot, I think. That's good, I like that. I like that. <laughs> That's good. Um, just sort of trying to think of a few more things to link into current football and situations we've got going on to see your thoughts. Now you were saying about um, YouTube, obviously being a spotlight for players coming through. Yeah. I'm pretty 
sure Odegaard was a YouTube sensation, and that's why Real Madrid went in for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, because yeah, he was, I think, 15 at the time, I think, when Real Madrid yeah. signed him. Yeah. Um, what a player he is, though. He's actually he's a great player. Great player. I think if we manage to keep hold of him in the summer, which I think there's a lot of talks, we, we are opening discussions with them to sign him permanently. I think he'll be a massive part of what we're saying is a transitional period for us. Does he tend to do a lot more, um, still literally keep leading out the skills or not? I, I haven't watched him, to be honest. It's an interesting one. My opinion on Ogod is he's very similar, I would say, even though we just got rid of him, but he's a very sort of Urzel type playmaker. He's yeah. Not the one that's going to be. Trying to think, he's not like a Harvey Barnes or where you got him going up and down. Odegaard likes to ball at his feet. He likes to be a dictator. Um, but I think he's got a bit more to our club. And I think going forward, he'll become more of the talisman. I think very similar to what Bruno, I think, affect. So the United, I think he can have that same effect on us. It's a big statement. <laughs> but it's interesting to say, I'll say I like it, but do you what do you think about it then as an Arsenal fan? Not really the opportunity to shine at the minute. Um, started slow, building his way into the team. There's potential there, but you never really know players because some players just go boom through the roof and some players just stay at a sort of steady pace. So it's hard to... It's like, like Saka last season. Saka last season was probably, you'd say, average in our team. And now he's, you know, a match winner, one of our best players. So it, it, it depends. Again, coming back to the mindset and the, the whole sort of perspective of what someone has on football. Oh, I completely agree. But I think you can even notice, I think, like you said, Odegaard did have a slow start, but he's one of the summer players. I think it's even you can link it in with Bale. Odegaard hasn't even had a look in at Madrid every time he's gone back. Obviously, he got called back early from his loan, uh, Sociedad, which was a two-year, with obviously the promises of being a first-team player. Then he spent another six months sitting on the bench. It's going to have that impact on a player that he's not getting the game time. So now, obviously, he's where he's under Arteta, seeing him as a key man. And I think the last two, three games, we've started to see the real him. But yeah, I think Bale's an interesting one. You could say he's obviously did nothing for so long. And now he seems to be back to freaking pre-Madrid form. He's just tearing <laughs> the league apart now. Right, uh, Dylan, for that one, for like a, any kind of team for the start of play, what team would you pick to be in? To play for? Yeah. Oh, wow. Play such as, obviously, look at the Liverpool, uh, obviously, the quick counter, or like a Burnley, like a, um, a slow playing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I watch, I watch a lot of Dutch football, like Ajax online. Yeah. I love their philosophy and the way they play. Um, obviously, Johan Cruyff. Uh, I read a book, good book, uh, I think Beautiful Orange or something. It's a decent, it's just on the philosophy of Dutch football. Uh, so I'd love to play for Ajax or somewhere like that. But in terms of now, like Premier League clubs, um, I reckon a South, we'll go for a Southampton or a Leicester <laughs> or a Leicester. Leicester, actually. Leicester. Like quick counter. Quick counter, yeah. Leicester's I like Leicester. I think they're going to be 
I'll say a top six, top seven side for the next three. Yeah. They've got so much. And they've done the investment well, obviously brought the whole new training ground with Harry Maguire's money. <laughs> ben, ben Chilwell as well. He sort of grew up near me and Dylan. And um, he, from people, we have mutual friends and people used to say that he was better at cricket than football. And then he completely gave the cricket up. Uh, I think at about 15, 16. And then apparently he was playing semi-pro already, but then he just kicks on. And obviously he's now he's... Well, I believe, didn't he? What's that, sorry? I think he was at Don's as well. I think that's where he sort of come through. Uh, it was the team before Leicester, who I don't know where they got him from. It may have been a championship team. I'm not sure. Hmm. I want to say Ipswich, maybe. Might have to check that one. But yeah, it's, 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 it, it, it just shows. You know, I can safely say... I don't know anyone that's doing what Dylan's doing. It's very unique and it's definitely, um, as I say, something unique that, you know, no one else is doing. And and I mentioned it in my live with Dylan as well. It was a Joey Barton interview where he was saying, you know, who's going to come take my shirt? You're not training longer than me. You're not training harder than me. You're not doing anything outside of it. So why, you know, why should, why should I give you my shirt? Because I'm not going to give you it. You've got to earn it. Um, and I think if, you, if you're getting steps ahead now, and as you say, doing things that no one else is, then you definitely you definitely got a good chance, hundred percent. Hundred. Do you know what's funny? After that, after that podcast, I was on Sunday. I was in um, I was in Sainsbury's, and this guy was staring at me. I was, like, what's, I was like, "What's this? What's this guy looking at?" And he just looks at me. He goes, "You're a footballer, aren't you?" I was like, "I just at first I just said, oh, I might be, I might be.'" And then he goes, he goes, I can tell the way you're walking. And I was like, oh, okay. And he goes, I'll tell you why I ask. I'm an, I'm an agent. So I was like, I was like, what? And this, this is like mindset stuff. So what you put out into the universe, you attract. So, yeah. so that happened. And then I showed him some. Oh, my music started playing. There. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so that happened. Just showed him some of my clips, and I've sent him some of my clips, and he, he's gonna work with me. Well, just see what the options are, and but it's it's weird how you put stuff out in the universe and it comes back to you. I was going to tell you that, Tom. Yeah, well, I'm glad you did, mate. <laughs> Find this fee. But yeah, but to to me, I don't feel like I'm the only one doing this. Like, but I don't know whether that's because the people I'm seeing, obviously, they see a lot of clients and they're all doing it. So I know a lot of people that are doing what I'm doing. But maybe some my mindset's just a little bit different to what people are used to. I think I, I think there's a difference uh, between you know with anything. There's a difference to I might and I will. And I think you know what you what you do and how you do it represents your thinking. So you can take this in any sort of aspect of life. You can say. I, I might be the best at my job or I'm going to be the best at my job. There's two, there's two, two very different things. Um, and as you know, like, you know, I'm sure we all know people that, you know, who've been there, not made it, but we also all know someone that has made it and why they've made it because they've always had the belief that they're, they're going to make it at the end of the day, because if you're not hundred percent committed, if you're 99.9% committed, you're not going to get there. And I think that's, that's, that's what, that's the difference between who makes it and who doesn't because the amount of times you hear someone 
and you speak to him about football and you'll say, you know, oh, I might, I might get a move as compared to, no, I'm going to get a move. I'm going to have the best season of my life and I'm going to get a move. And you know, you can tell the difference already. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's you know, football is a game that's evolved massively into the whole mental side of it, your whole perspective of it, how you think of it. You know, I know I only manage at, you know, at an amateur level, but, you know, I've gone into a game before thinking, oh, I might win the game and we've lost to a game that we were the underdogs for. And I've just said to all my lads, you know, we are going to win this game. And we went and won it, not because of that, but because of the whole mental aspect of the game. So I'll back Dylan. Dylan knows Dylan knows that I'll, I'll back it all the way. But um, it'll be exciting to see if he does. You boys should get down and come watch him for a game. I'll definitely be there. Like I said, it's the first time I've actually got to speak to you, but like you said, you can tell there's that determination and drive there. And I think I've never heard of someone doing this sort of thing. Like what you were saying earlier is about you do the ball mastery stuff to literally pattern in your head that is thinking literally as a pro which you're planning everything out and then key details yeah and like i said i think you're being surrounded by those people who do it day in day out and the others that's only a good thing for you because you're four or five steps ahead of anyone else um so obviously i think it's been a pleasure to have you on and i think in five years time we'll be watching you play in the premier league hopefully (laughs) (laughs) But, but it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on mate Thank you very much. Cheers, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, so, Warren, if there's anything else you want to sort of finish up on, now's your chance. No, nothing from me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like we said at the start, there is a live giveaway if you want to go win yourself 100 quid. Uh, it's live on our page. It's also on Tom's coaching channel. And if you haven't already, go check his coaching channel out. He's a very good coach. I can recommend him. He's a decent baller as well, even though he doesn't like to think he is. A very good player. Shut up, Dylan. But thank you all, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Too nice. Thank you. See you later.